Welcome back to the PYP, the Practical Youth Pastor. I'm your host, Chris Hong, along with our co-host, Steve. Steve Johnson. Johnson. Uh, I got it right. Hey. <laughs> and uh, we're talking on this topic of the sheep migration. Kids ebb and flow. They show up at your youth group one week, and the next week they are gone. They rotate around. In this town, they rotate around to a few different youth yeah. groups. And yeah, it's it's really strange. And we don't mean Tucson. We just mean Oro Valley, <laughs> yeah, the much smaller town. Just like it's it's so strange how it works. But um, but yeah, what do you do as a youth pastor? You're just trying to to be faithful. You're trying to do your job, and you get start to get caught up in this hubbub of like I've got to make it more attractive. I got to make it better. I've got to grow this. I've got to do this. Um, whether it's your own like ambition or it's your leadership over you, expecting you to grow in these big uh, boundless ways. How do you deal with that, and what is, what are practical steps that you take to fight against the sinful um, inclinations that you may have to coerce growth, and how do you lean towards what a right solution, a right way of doing it ought to be? Would yeah. you say that's a fair way? I think of it's what a fair way of putting about? it. Yeah, and and one thing I would just toss on is almost like a tack on, even though it's on the front end, not the back end, is is taking a moment. And remembering your role in all of this, which is you are called to be the mature adult. Doesn't mean you don't have fun in games. Doesn't mean you don't do goofy stuff. I'm still a child in a lot of ways. But what you can't do is react in an insecure fashion toward the kid. Yeah. Recently, uh, one of my, my, it was my pastor's son, who I'm very close with. He's like a nephew. His sisters came up to me and it's like they confessed almost like he'd fallen away from the faith that their brother was that night missing our regular Wednesday night. Cause we had our Christmas party one week after everybody else. Cause I don't really pay attention to calendars. Right. I was like, Oh, it's during, we have during finals. No problem. Anyway, <laughs> the week before, and he's at one and, and, and his picture popped up in the big group text that they, or the big group picture. For another youth for group. An, for another youth group. It's our pastor's son. <laughs> I had a pastor's son to show up at another youth group on Christmas party night. Too. And it was so, f- yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I almost respect it because it's not like he was missing our Christmas party for a Christmas party. He's like, I can go to both Christmas parties. They're different weeks. <laughs> but what was so funny is he approached me like he looked he looked sick to his stomach, like ashamed when yeah. he saw me on Sunday. And so, of course, because I'm going to give him a hard time, I shunned him. I didn't, you know, I didn't call on him when we were in Sunday school or any of that stuff. No, but he, but it was funny because I joked. And, and then again, you know, I'm friends with the youth pastor at that other place and I was teasing him and it was like a ransom type thing. But the reality is, is like, what's the big deal? Like who doesn't like Christmas parties? He doesn't like to go with their friends. He was invited by a friend, right? But, but it was funny to me because I think he really did think that I was going to be deeply wounded that he went. And I'm like, dude, Kyle, you're not even that big of a deal to me. No, but he is. Was it the same Christmas party my pastor's Yes. <laughs> there was a Christmas party that your pastor's son was at and mine. And it was funny. But you know what? Because, again, they had a kid that was just a, a good recruiter. And your friend's inviting you to a party. I'm sorry, man. Uh, th- that, we just free grab this food. I get everything. It. girls. I got it. Exactly. And then... But um, so anyway, that's that's not germane. Uh, that's just a little. Like I said a little aside, <laughs> is that we we cannot act like hurt feeling little kids when no. our kids go it because then that's just it's a bad look for everybody. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that we talked about uh, since since we recorded last week, you know. It, it's important to understand what are your motivators, right? It's easy for us to be like, what would motivate a kid, right? Is, 
you can just be like, well, that church over there spends more money or that church has this or whatever, right? And that might be part of it. But what what is motivating you to care? Is it because you believe that your call is to support this particular family and you don't want their, their kid to be off separated? Not that Wednesday night really separates. It'd be more of a Sunday thing. But is it is your concern that student or is your concern maybe the fear that comes from um, how it's going to make you look? Is it yeah. a situation where, oh, crud, if different people are leaving, if a lot of people are leaving, is that going to make me look like I'm not doing a great job? Hmm. Um, because if you're being motivated out of fear, then obviously you don't need us or yourself to tell you that that's, that's not a good place to operate out of. But it is also important to recognize it because I think that's a very real portion, right, of, of the thought process that people have when they see kids going over there. It's hard. I, I, I've talked to church planters, and when people leave the church, it's really hard not to take that personally mm-hmm. because it is a, a value assessment of you versus the other option. They're yeah. choosing the other option. Yeah. And I, hard. I think I think that's that's a difficult spot to be in. But I think yeah. I think checking your motivation and why it bothers you, and then and then kind of following where that leads. Um, and this could be conversations with your senior pastor or whoever your overseer is. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. You know when when we think you, your first question in there was um, why do you why do you um, react. Yeah, like, well, we're all going to react to it in some, in a different way. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if you don't care about the kid, you don't react. You're just, okay, whatever, I don't care. Yeah. Um. So care equals reaction. You're gonna you're gonna get a, if you That's care, you're gonna get a reaction. That's a good point. Or you're gonna have, experience it. Right. And uh, what you're bringing up is, well, how do you react? I think one of the deep heart things that I, you know, just I'm in the in a, in a Presbyterian church that, you know, is more on the conservative side of, of Presbyterianism. And um, when a family takes a vow uh, of membership, they say these words, we dedicate ourselves to the worship and work of this church. The worship of this church, I think, is inclusive of Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We're singing. We're studying. It's a Bible study. It's a gathering. It's community. It's fellowship. And I think that that's inc- he's pretty easily, arguably very easy to say. This is a worship element of it. Mm-hmm. And then that the practice of that you're asked, when you're asked of a minister or director or whatever, a ministry head, um, hey, I want you, to, want you to think about the lost friends that you have that are unchurched, that are far from the Lord. How can we start to pray for them? I think that's where you're showing you're committed to the work of it. Or, hey, we're showing up on Saturday. We're going to pick weeds around the church and just try to save some money so we can donate that money to missions. Instead of paying this company to do it, we're going we're gonna to do it, and that money will be put towards our mission trip this summer or whatever. Or we're going down to Good News Community Church to hand out food on Saturday as a church community. That's part of the work. Mm-hmm. Or we're setting up tables. That's part of the work. Um, we're serving food for this gathering. That's part of the work. Um, I'm serving in the worship band. That's part of the work. Um, and so when a family, I think, commits to that, and, and, I, and I wholeheartedly believe in, in um, vows, church vows, I totally believe in membership, too, as I believe the first century church did, but um, Wednesday night, to me, 
I think is it's fair to say it's pretty inclusive of that Wednesday night mm-hmm. of that commitment of a family. When a family makes that commitment, now they're they're all of a sudden um, covenantal in our language that they are kids of uh, saved parents or saved parent um, baptized in the church as infants or as believers, whichever part of life you become a believer, you're introduced into the covenant mm-hmm. family. Um, you're part of that. And, and your goal as a family now is to remain consistent to those vows to be dedicated to the worship and work of the church. So when a kid jumps from like our youth group to another, because this cool thing is happening on another Wednesday night, um, I don't think anybody that really knows me would ever say that I was a legalist about really anything other than what is legal and what is not. <laughs> like, right. Um, but in that, I think there is kind of a, a little bit of hurt that comes up in my in my heart when a kid just jumps to another for whatever reason. Even if it's, especially when it's a kid, you spend a lot of time with. Um, but in the response of that, you just can't expect a kid is as mature as you are. You just can't expect a kid is thinking about those vows as you are. You can't expect the parents uh, to think about youth ministry as seriously as you do. Um, there's a lot of grace that I think a youth pastor has to extend to parents and to kids and just say, you know, Lord, forgive them for they, they just don't know what they're doing when they when they jump by into the consumerism and the materialism of, of like a lot of youth culture. Um, and so to extend that grace and already have a posture of grace before you even jump into asking kids how was, I didn't see you on Wednesday. How were you? What's mm-hmm. up? Do you have a basketball game or something? Um, and just already having a posture of grace and, and to say to yourself, hey, this kid could totally be going to another youth group and they're, this conversation can get awkward really fast. Yeah. Um, just be gracious with them, you know, and. Uh, I did have a kid four or five weeks ago, or whatever, just after the after the break. He had been going to another youth group, and we got together on a one on one, just driving around, and we're talking about just stuff. And I, I didn't I had not seen him for two or three youth uh, midweeks in the last semester, and I was like, "Hey, where were you those two weeks, man? Like, uh, I know you were playing the sport or whatever. Did you have like tournaments and stuff like that? I'd, I'd really love to get your and I said I'd love to get your schedule of the tournaments. I I, I want to come to see these tournaments and stuff and like see you in your, in action or whatever." And he's like, "Oh, well, you know, man." And as soon as he does that, I'm like, yeah. "Okay, he's at another youth group." Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just immediately I go into this posture of grace. I'm not going to come down on this kid, right? Well, he turns into it and he says, "Well." I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bullcrap you, Chris. I was at another youth group, and uh, the girl that I like, and I was like, "Enough said." Yep. <laughs> I okay. figured it out. You know? If anything, it makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um, the girl that I like goes there, and all my friends go there, and it's just you know, it's just easier. It's hard being at our youth group sometimes. My my friends are just not there, you know. And sometimes they come with me, you know. But half of them go to this youth group we've been going to, and then the other half go to this other youth group, you know. That I've I've gone there a couple times. You know, and it's just like at school, it's just like, hey, where are you going to youth group tonight or whatever? Everybody in that, in our private school, like that's how they talk. Like, where are you going to midweek tonight? Yeah. And it's like a menu. Uh, I, I've heard it after basketball practice. Yeah. Um, what you going to do? I mean, I'm picking up kids from one-on-ones from uh, football, mm-hmm. you know, even when I was like <laughs> in bunny ears, quotation, an assistant coach and just helping, assisting the coach, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, coaches. 
the real coaches. It's even then too. It's like I'm standing right there, and everybody's like, "Where are we going to youth group?" And even my own covenantal kids are like, "Yeah, man, I don't know where should we go or whatever." Oh, and it, yeah. it's just this strange thing. And and what it communicates to me is that the real deep value of taking those vow those vows seriously is there's just not a deep value of that as right. as it pertains to a Wednesday night that it's seen as something very different. And I don't think that that value point is going to change from us in youth ministry. It's got to change from the pulpit. It's, right. It's got to change from your leadership that transcends my authority. Because point. exactly because it, it everything is going to hinge on the parents. Everything. That's why it's it, it's easy to make an enemy out of the other youth guy. Yeah. But he's not the he is a symptom. He is not the disease. And he's probably. Exp- I don't care what if you go to. Um, I talked to a guy that um, he worked in youth ministry in the same town as Bethel. Oh yeah. In Reading. Uh, California, and um, and I had met some people that worked in youth ministry in, in at Bethel. Even places like that that are like juggernauts, believe what you want about their theology and whatever, but in this area of gathering people, maintaining, lowering churn on sheep, like having a high retention on attendance, all, whatever, those metrics. Right. Even Bethel, even these like big juggernauts of, of ministry— deal with the same exact things like when once somebody leaves our flock man that really hurts right they they have the same exact feelings um though i think some churches are just explicitly trying to steal everybody's sheep at times and every town has that yep um but i think if you go into it with a posture of man i just want to be humbly gracious and just realize this kid just doesn't understand may not even be a christian so i'm not going to hold him to that you know that point but like they may not get the depth of the vows that they took. They may not get the the work that we all put into it every week and consider any of that. Well, yeah. you listening to you describe that post-football conversation, those conversations you hear, it's irrefutable that this is a consumer culture. That's a consumer conversation. Where are we going to get? You want to get pizza? Want Papa Murphy's or Papa John's? Yeah. Like, that's how they do because it's a consumer. And it's not even their fault. Because the posturing of so many youth groups is buy our product. Yeah. Enjoy our service. And so you've got all these multiple broken fractions, or uh, or factors rather, knocking around each other. None of them malevolent, but all of them broken. And I agree. The conversation has to take place at the pulpit for the benefit of the home. And we need need a conversation around... Christendom, Western Christendom, that reinforces what Scripture built, which is these families are essentially churches that come together on Sundays with other churches, like a presbytery, for the purposes of glorifying God together and doing the work in the worship, like you said, which I love that. But instead, youth ministry is not a leading indicator. It's a lagging indicator. If the church's posture is... Come get our free stuff. Come check out our... We're building new buildings. We're doing new stuff. Look at us. We're we're the movers and the shakers. Well, it's going to trickle all the way down, but it's going to train those people to be consumers. It's a much bigger conversation than between a kid and a student. Mm-hmm. If anything, it's you need to go up the river and find out who's throwing those babies in that river. Yeah. You know? It's hard. Yeah, it is. It also... But it does... But it's not... It's not too hard. It's not impossible. But it's a conversation that you need to bring in other, whether it's your elders, 
other leaders, parents have this open dialogue because um, people also like to be a part of something. They like meaningful roles. If they feel that their attendance at something doesn't count for anything other than the, the numbers tally that goes on in the numbers email, yeah, it's not important. But maybe if that dad has an opportunity to, to help with something, whether it's a service project or being a small group leader, those students recognize there becomes a different level of ownership, but you absolutely have to engage the family or else you're right. It's just going to be whose turn is it to take everybody. Mm-hmm. And I will, I'll point this out too. In most communities, you probably have a church or two who is that destination church because they, they, they do an, a, a major entertainment model, right? They don't just dip their toe in it the way a lot of us do. They're just like, this is truly what we're going to do. It's important for the community of other youth pastors to not turn that into an enemy, but build that relationship, love that person, and through that relationship, hopefully kind of show them the other side of the coin. Because I've been in Tucson for my whole life, and I can tell you which churches at which times were the hot church, and it never lasts more than 10 years, usually less than that. Oh yeah, a lot less. A lot less, right? And so, it's it, it's it is as important that we love the it church youth pastor as much as we love each other as we try and comfort, right? Mm-hmm. In the wake of that, community and accountability and unity kind of demands that. This morning, I started a new book that I hadn't even heard of. I just knew I had Audible credits and I had to drive a lot, and I got. Uh, it's Francis Chan's Until Unity, I think is what it's called. Is it a new book? It's a newish book. Oh, cool. I hadn't heard of it. And boy, is it convicting. It's super convicting of me personally. But it's also, as his books tend to be, very scripture-laden. And there's there's a dynamic shift that I think would be an excellent suggested reading for some of our listeners. Hmm. Um, because it does change that perspective, especially the way we talk about each other. Right, because again, it creates a turf war. That's the natural flow of things. But the way that we treat those people who we feel are stealing our sheep matters, and we will be held accountable for that. Mm-hmm. And I never get rageful. What I do is I make snarky comments to you <laughs> and other youth pastors. We make fun <laughs> of stuff, but that's not right either. But anyway, just to recap, I think you're absolutely right. I think that the conversation is much, much bigger than a youth pastor and a kid. Although when you find yourself in those episodes and those interactions, being grace-giving is so important. And also remembering what it was like to be a kid. But I will tell you this, I never had the opportunity or the option to go to another youth group. Yeah. Because my parents went to this church, and I went to this church. Yeah. And this was our church. Yeah. And I think that I, I think that there's a lot to be said for that. I mean, if we're going to peter into that area, the, yeah. sh- the strongest youth groups I've ever seen. Mm-hmm are the ones where the parents have a hard line on Wednesday. No, we committed to the worshiping work. We're going here. Right. I'm sorry. Your friends don't go here. Share the gospel with them. You know, like be a Christian, like hang out. But no, me and my family, we worship here, and this is what we do on Wednesday. If you're not at our church on Wednesday, then you're not anywhere. Yeah. But you're going. Get your butt in the car and go. <laughs> right. Those right. always, if you come engage like, the, the movers and shakers in my existing youth ministry, those are going to be the families yep. and the kids that have the best relationships in Correct. the youth group, the most consistency, and have an actually really healthy, like healthy experience of the church 
are the ones that their parents like, no, this is our church. You're not going over these other places it, ever. I, 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 exactly. Like, exactly. And I see it over and over and over again. You said it before, and I really agree with this. And um, you said it before. It's like, you know, we, we put our kids out there and we put them in all these sports and all these activities. And we basically subcontract out our responsibility, right? spiritual responsibility, especially if our kids go to a Christian school. Like, we tend to just respond. We delegate out our responsibility to somebody else to build that relationship. Yeah, and so they're so busy when all these other activities that they don't show up on Wednesdays. They don't come to anything. Mm-hmm. But then when the crap hits the fan on their life, they're like, "Hey, would you meet with my kid?" Yep. And it's yep. like you have no relational e- like in equity to deal to do right. anything. And it's like, hey, well. Welcome in. Uh, tell me your story, I well, guess. Because, because <laughs> I think people don't understand being a youth pastor is not a clinical thing. Yeah. We do not have a case um, load to manage. We do not have a path of, okay, well, first what I'm going to do is I'm going to establish these parameters and like, like a psychiatrist or an attorney or a freaking doctor. Mm-hmm. We're not like that. The, the, the uh, time to be with us um, and then the relationship that's built that allows us to be of benefit to you, but mm-hmm. we're not clinical experts that can just be dropped in like a mediator or a shrink. It doesn't work like that, but you're right. People think that. No. And you know, as you're talking, you, you mentioned um, all these other sports. And, and I know that a lot of our, our, you know, I tease you about the fact that when you're talking about Alabama, you give me like the street corner that this certain barbecue <laughs> place is on. I was like, our <laughs> listeners don't care. I also know that a lot of what you yeah. and I say living in this community has to do with our community, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, Faulkner had the South and Joyce had Ireland and like we, this is it. Yeah. But one of the things that I've noticed here, and I'm sure that a lot of, you know, of our dozen listeners, you know what we're talking about. All six of you. I'll sit, oh, it's down from last time we lost half. Maybe That's last what time was when you have good. a baby it's and true. you neglect the yeah, podcast. Too. You're right. You're right. Um, what what happens is club sports are about I'm as committed to this team as I need to be in order to achieve what my goals are. And if I feel this other one can give mm-hmm. me something different, I go to that. Yeah. I've watched. There is a child in my daughter's class who is at her fourth high school. My daughter is a second semester sophomore. It's because what happens is I don't like this. So we're pulling up. We're pulling. When you talk about migration, that does trickle Mm -hmm. down from how the parents view it. Yeah. Nobody stays in fights anymore. We're like, well, if you're not offering me exactly what I want, or if you're doing something I don't like, we're up and we're gone and we're leaving. So it's kind of like the pot commercial. Son, where did you get this? Where did you get this? <laughs> I learned, I learned from watching you. you. Okay. They're, lear- they're watching us. I'm speaking to us as parents. They're watching us. Yeah. It's the same way that in a worship service, it doesn't necessarily matter if the kid is getting a lot out of it, especially early on. It matters that they see you getting something out of it. My friend Dave always says that. Yeah. In the same way, what is your parents? If we have a, per- I think we have at least Bev. We have at least one parent listener. Parents, if you <laughs> are not willing to put the work in and be committed. There's no way your kid's going to be. And yeah. you will never, it's like being a, a bandwagon jumper. People tease me about being a Cleveland fan, but I promise you, those guys that jump from the Cowboys to, you know, the Chiefs to whomever they need to, you will never know the celebration that I will someday know when the Browns win the Super Bowl. Yeah. And, you know, because I'm committed. That, yeah. Like, and, <laughs> and the sinful part of me wants the people that jump around a lot to never experience any joy so that then they can look and hear a message from someone saying, look, if you're just bouncing around, consuming it up 
all the time, you're never going to experience joy. Do you experience joy? And I want them to sit sit in the pain of the decisions that they've made and say, I don't experience joy. I have bounced around. <laughs> I, know. I need to commit. Right. And like, I want families to say, I don't want to experience the lack of real rela- long-term relationship, like effective, consistent joy that comes through a consistent relationship. In, in a community well, of believers. Yeah. Look, look at it. Look at the sexual ethic. Look at the fact that people that go from partner to partner, oh, they yeah. never have that intimacy. Yeah. They Ugh. never have it. Well, bride of Christ. I mean, we, we have this whole idea that somehow, because of our belief, and this is another great quote from that. Oh, there's a great quote from that book today. Um, we think that because we know certain things that we're, that we're going to have received them. He says, you can read a million menu boards. You can memorize a menu board, but that doesn't mean you're going to taste the food. Yeah. We have a lot of people that say I align politically and extra politically with the conservative Christians. So we're this, and I believe I can have church wherever I want to and so on and so forth. And forget about the Hebrews passage, and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know how, and, and this would be my encouragement to you, dear listeners. <laughs> I don't know how, that student, when they face a crisis, is going to be able to go up to a youth pastor that they don't really know and have to introduce themselves. Mm-hmm. I don't see them opening up. And introduce themselves as this person with this big problem. Correct. And you, that's all of a sudden Because it's like, oh, wow, identity. immediate liability. I just mm-hmm. needed you for the Instagram picture, right? <laughs> but like you said, you have this vision of yeah. people coming back and saying, I never really knew that joy. Be ready when your students do come to you with their problems despite how it messed up it is, their path, or what their parents have supported or not supported, that's the moment that you receive what the Lord has given you with that student. Mm -hmm. And so you, unfortunately, you got to be ready. I'll Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll use this amazing illustration. I never get to use very Brady Christmas illustrations (laughs) from the 1988 CBS Christmas special, A Very Brady Christmas. My favorite Christmas special of all time. But this, my friends, might be the the, the best thing that I've ever mentioned on this podcast. (laughs) And so if you listen to nothing else, just remember this. In A Very Brady Christmas, there is this guy, and I can't remember his name, but he is, he wants to build this enormous building. In fact, he buys the land from Carol Brady, and because of that, Carol mentions that her husband, Mike Brady, is this great architect. And the one thing about Mike is, is he's going to do what's best, regardless of the pressures, regardless of if it costs more money. He is faithful. Well, what happens is, Mike says, you're going to need to put this foundation, a double foundation on this uh, certain building. And the guy goes, well, I don't have to by law, and it's going to cost me a lot of money, and that's taking off my bottom line, blah, blah, blah. And, and Mike says, well, it's this or I'm gone. And the guy goes, well, I'm not going to do it. And he goes, all right, well, good luck to you. Right. He never wavered from what was right. So think of Mike as, is is in relationship with one of these families. And then Christmas happens. And all of a sudden they're sitting down to Christmas dinner and Mike gets this call and it's Mr. Roberts. And there's been a cave in at this building and two security guards are trapped. Now, Mike has a choice, just like you and I do. Mike can say, well, sucks for you. Why don't you get the architect? Because the other architect, he says, what did you call the other architect? Other architect is out of town for the holidays. Yeah. Right? So in that moment, he could say, well, you didn't choose me. You're out of luck. But no. He's faithful, and he answers that call again. Now, as a result, 
it caves in on Mike and he gets stuck and they have to sing, um, Oh, come all you faithful in order to bring him out. That's not the <laughs> point. But we have this opportunity with these kids, a little bit of a prodigal, if you will, that even if they go taste the fruit of another youth group for a time, it's important that they know that you're there for them. Yeah. And so anyway, that's really all I have, Chris. No, I think it's that's my whole true. heart and soul right I there. Th- I think that's true. So just to recap, um, when I, <laughs> Mike Brady <laughs> built, uh, yeah. <laughs> Recap my Christmas illustration. And the whole time he was a homosexual. Yeah. Isn't seriously. Great? <laughs> exactly. Um, God uses who God's going to use. Yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, like to recap, when kids are going to try out other youth groups. Yes. Which, by the way, did 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 you have an interesting talk with Luke anytime in the last couple of weeks? My son, Luke? Yeah. He says he sees you on campus and, <laughs> and, and, and um, Hannah sees Lindsay. Yeah. So I, he was at lunch. I see him all the time, yeah. you know, and say hi. But um, he's a lot taller than you are. And I'm awkwardly saying hello to Hannah now. But um, <laughs> yeah, she's a mean girl. It's a different situation. <laughs> and um, um, it's like, oh, I'm sorry, you're headed to the WNBA to make thirty two thousand dollars a year. <laughs> Have fun with that. But um, no. So Luke, the other is like, hey, Luke, I need you to do me a favor. We, what would you, what would happen if you went to your dad and you said, hey, dad, um. I know this is weird, but I really want to go to CFC's youth group tonight. What did he tell you? And uh, and I, I said, you just tell him that um, when he says, okay, why? Um, <laughs> it wouldn't have gotten that far, <laughs> no. but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> why? <laughs> just say, I really see the Lord working over there, and I want to be a part of what the Lord's doing. <laughs> and I said, what do you think he would say? And he's like, he wouldn't say anything. He would just start crying. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, right. Yeah. Luke, Luke with the punchline. No, I have, I've had, uh, uh, there's a young gentleman that was very interested in, in, in my daughter. And one of the big early missteps, you know, I love the kid, was to invite her on a Wednesday night to his youth mm. group. And I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, no, no. That's like on The Sopranos trying uh, to pay when Tony's at the table. Nope, hey, not going to do that. <laughs> That's hilarious. But uh, but the big takeaways are carry grace in your heart with these kids. They, they don't know. I mean, part of your job is discipling them. I think it's okay to talk about attendance. A couple of weeks ago we did, and I was very clear and passionate about the fact that I'm not, you're, you're not a number to me. You're a soul to me. You're a person to me, and I want... I At least 200 souls here on Wednesday night. <laughs> right. I want to engage <laughs> with you. And like, I'm not after everybody in that lunch table, in that lunch room. I'm after you. Like, I want to spend time with you. Um, you know, and just reiterating your care and your affection for your youth and just saying, like, I care about you. But yeah. you can't just say that. You also have to do that. Um, when I walk through the halls and every once in a while I'll buy, like, uh, Dutch Bros mm-hmm. or some of the youth, and I'll walk through the halls, and it's like everybody and their mother wants – Wants one of those drinks that are just, oh, yeah. I think they're gross, but whatever. Like, they are. They're girl, girl coffee. They'll, not even the coffee drinks. It's like the green slime. No, you're right. Gummy it's, bus. It's called like dragon piss it's, and stuff. You're like, I don't think that sounds like a drink. It didn't work in college. It's not going to work right, now. Right. And so like, um, and it's like, no, they're not yours. Uh-uh. And then I'll sit down and everybody's watching who they go to. And it's my kids. Mm-hmm. It's my CFC kids. My boys. You know, like they can they can smell the pastor's love on them. Like, I I just want to that relationship to be important, and I know that there's going to be times where you need something uh, from somebody that knows a little bit more about your kid. Right. I hope that for my kids too. You know, if I'm if I end up being their youth pastor the way that you are with your kids, you mm-hmm. know, like I would hope that I'm able to still have that one on one time with my own children. Right. And, and minister to their hearts and have that relationship. But at the end of the day, 
man, you just can't trust a kid to be committed. You have to rely Correct. on their parents. Exactly. It's like, I think it was Sandra Day O'Connor. I don't remember, but there's a quote uh, which says, you know, someone said, well, what if the kid doesn't like this? And they'd say, well, it's unfortunate that we would be referencing their taste because their taste is still being formed. Yeah. Right? And this is this is exactly it. I know a lot of times people are like, well, you know, you were bringing up earlier the fact that people need to give, be given a choice. Well, you know, you're, what you're saying is, is it these families that said that you don't have a choice, you're going. Well, then when they, you know, get older, they're just going to go wild. No, actually, what you're doing is making sure that when you do get out of here, you're going to make an informed choice because you're going to really know what this option held. Yeah. And I think there's a lot to be said about that. Oh, yeah. Same reason that covenantally we don't raise our kids with a 50-50 chance. We raise them as Christians and then pray that they be covenant keepers, not breakers. I think church attendance is another big part of that, too. Yeah. And when it comes to football, it's like, hey, kid, you can't, you've only had two practices. You can't, you've committed. Yeah. Okay. We'll apply the same yeah. philosophy to, you know, your church attendance. Mm-hmm. Hey. No, we committed to this church, and when you're 18 and you leave, you can go to whatever church you want to. Right. Like, this is how we work. If we make a commitment to something, we keep it. Yes. You know, but that's—you just can't expect a kid to do that. I mean, younger and younger nowadays, their parents are saying, you know, I'm trying to give them more choices, and they have to make a decision. They're not at church on Sunday mornings, so they, you know, they, they're getting older. they got to make a decision. It's like, they're 12. Yeah, seriously, yes. Like, they shouldn't have that ability to make that choice. And it's like, you sound like the liberals you condemn. That right. Can, that condemn, like... You're a free-range parent. Well, when you... Well, no, it's, it's when you, you will condemn a liberal family that gives their kid the choice to choose their gender. Mm-hmm. But then you'll take the same exact logic and philosophy and apply it to one of the the most yeah, the, important right. like community gathering thing that is an imperative command of God to Correct. take to take seriously. Like you're just as guilty of of bad philosophy as these liberals that you you condemn all the time. Yeah, who would give a twelve year old that choice? Well, who would give a twelve year old a choice to go to church or not? Exactly. Because as far as most of the 12-year-olds I know, they won't go unless you give them free crap. Yeah. As a kid, a child, an 8-year-old, when it was Saturday night, I'd start to get a little bummed because I just didn't feel like going to church the next day. Yeah. I was (laughs) 8. Thank God my parents didn't pull me. Yeah. (laughs) No, I'd actually rather watch cartoons. I like the double Saturday thing that the pagans have, Dad. No, it wasn't even an option. We know that. (laughs) Right. It's not, but it's not about comfort. It's, it's, it's really about if you love me, you'll, you'll follow my commandments. That's right. And, and we really struggle with that as a culture. We struggle with it as parents. Like it's really, really hard. Uh, so takeaways are have grace in your heart for kids that do go elsewhere. Have integrity with the other youth pastors in your town. Um, be able to think through uh, the preventative. What are things that you're doing? I think the relationships that you build, that's something we talked about, the relationships you build with your kids preventatively that will tie them. Something we tell our small group leaders is uh, Jordan, Lindsay, and I, a lot of our job is going out and and reaching and ministering one-on-one and doing a lot of this work that ends up bringing them in on Wednesdays. But then your job as leaders is keeping them here. Your relationship with them is going to keep them here. Unfortunately, we have to say that because parents' integrity is not going to keep them here. Right. Which is unfortunate. Right. You know. Um, Yet. Yeah. It's a long. There's a long game plan for that. Um, and dealing with your insecurities and fears, try to get over yourself and not think that you're the bee's knees. Right. Um, when a kid says they're going somewhere else, don't take it super seriously or. 
Yep. Or, or don't take it so personally, I guess. Exactly. Exactly. They're after everything. Well, Steve, any final thoughts? No, my friend. I I really enjoyed this little series. I can't wait for the next one. It's gonna be good. Maybe we'll get Francis Chan on the tube. Might as well. I've referenced him a couple times. Yeah, Since we hang out. When I go to China, we we play golf. Oh yeah. Putt putt. <laughs> play putt putt together. Wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. No. Well, Mazel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks for joining us for this episode of PYP. If you'd like to hear us talk about any other things or uh, questions you have, send us an email at thepracticalyouthpastor at gmail.com. We'd be glad to, uh, to dig in deep with you. Uh, That's right. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time.